This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up? Real MVPs, Ricky Winner here, along with Sean Anderson. Hello. <laughs> Sean's like, how can I say this? I don't know the what to do. The most unconfident way possible. Um, but we are back for the primetime podcast here on Most Valuable Podcast, our draft slash college sports podcast. And boy, do we have a dandy of a show for you. Um, going to be talking a lot of draft, then we're going to be talking some college football because Sean threw out a great topic of uh, what teams are going to surprise us in 2019. And the thing is, too, is like the draft is great. Mm-hmm. The draft is really we're important. we're kind of in that no man's land where we're kind of far away. It's fucking July. <laughs> there is nothing to talk about because we don't know anything yet about the teams that are going to be mm-hmm. drafting. We don't know anything about the prospects. We haven't seen them play. Mm-hmm. It is a tough time for a draft <laughs> podcast. So let's just talk a- about the teams that they're playing for. All right. Next week, we do a way too early big board like Dave and Ooh. I did for uh, the NBA. What if we do like seven <laughs> way too early big boards? Just like each week is a new big board and nothing changes it, but we just move guys around <laughs> aimlessly. I mean, that's how I feel with basketball. Like LaMelo Ball, number one, then he may be, I don't know, not even in the top 10 yeah. the next week. Yeah, you should honestly like, just never put him back. If you had him as your number one I prospect, did. Yeah, I had him don't, put one. Him, don't put him in your top 25 ever I, again. Because I said on the podcast, LaVar Ball, remember who put LaMelo number one in the way too early is uh, – like, who was the one? What, do you want a favor from LeVar Ball? I just want to be met. I think it'd be cool to be mentioned by LeVar Ball. Like Why? FS1 the dude has not done anything. He's yeah. not He's not like a professional. Get, he's not like a Hall my, of Famer. To get my name mentioned on FS1 because he's not going to be welcomed back on ESPN well, would be pretty cool. Ew. <laughs> I can't wait to get my name mentioned on FS1. The fuck well, is I mean, wrong where, with you? Where else is LeVar Ball going to be? Like, it's going to be the herd. That's where he's going to be going. Yikes. Now that ESPN won't you have, have him on. a very odd dream. But like I said, we got a jam. Some people want to be fulfilled in their career. Some people want a like family with three children, a nice house. And Ricky just wants to be mentioned hey, not on ma- the herd not many on of FS1 us. by LeVar Ball. Hey, not many of us could be Sean Anderson and have our voice featured in the NBA awards on TV. Hey, you know, I knew I knew a couple guys <laughs> and I, I still don't know who their names yet. But we got a jam packed show for you guys. Going to be talking about Jerry Judy. Um, should he be or will he be a top three pick this upcoming year? Then the magical topic of uh, who's going to tank for Tua Tunga Viola or should teams tank for Tua this year? And then the topic Sean threw out that I can't wait to get to of which teams in college football are going to surprise us this upcoming year. But let's start with Jerry Judy because this is a topic that I have just been like, I I think about randomly mm-hmm. um, this offseason. Because if you look at big boards and you look at mock drafts now, there's usually four guys that are in the top four. There are Tua, Jake Fromm, Jerry Judy, and then Chase Young, the defensive end out of um, Ohio State. And last night, because I couldn't sleep, I was like, okay, this is going to be a topic. And I went back through 10 years of drafts. Mm-hmm. And we're like, it's a very Sean Anderson thing to do. Which quarterbacks? It was a very Sean Anderson thing to do. I'm like, which wide receivers have been taken in the top 10? And since 2009, here are all the wide receivers taken in the top 10. We had three in 2017 Corey Davis, Mike Williams, John Ross. They were five, seven, and nine. Respectively, Mike Williams is the best. 2015, we had two. We had Amari Cooper at four, mm-hmm. Kevin White at seven. Ugh. 
Then in 2014, we had two. Sammy Watkins at four. Mm. Mike Evans at seven. Yeah. In 2013, we had one. Tavon Austin was eighth overall. <laughs> Ew. Um, 2012, we had one. Justin Blackman, Yikes. fourth overall Yikes. to the Jaguars that year. That's bad. 2011, we had two. A.J. Green at four, yeah. Julio Jones at six. That's a fuck up by and the Bengals. And then in 29, or 2009, we had Darius Hayward Bay Oof. at seven. He was fast. And then Michael Crabtree at 10. So we had what? That is a total right. of 13 Wide receivers taken in the top 10. Mm-hmm. The last wide receiver taken in the top three was 2007, Calvin Johnson. He was taken second overall. And the thing that I was looking at is Jerry Judy, his stats from last year, just over 1,300 yards. I want to say 14 receiving touchdowns last year mm-hmm. right. were very, very close. I believe he was like a few yards shy and one touchdown shy of Calvin Johnson in the junior year that Calvin Johnson had before he came out. So, I mean, I was thinking about this, and I'm like, should he be a top three pick? If he has another year like he did last year, absolutely. But because of the quarterbacks we have, Tua, Jake Fromm, Justin Herbert, because Chase Young, if he's phenomenal and like what his teammates are saying were – they're on the record saying he's going to be better than Miles Garrett, who went number one in the draft. It might be hard for Jerry Judy to be a top three pick. Well, and to correct you on the, the Calvin Johnson thing, in Calvin Johnson's junior year, he mm-hmm. had 76 receptions, which was less than Jerry Judy's sophomore year. Okay. Or sorry, more than Jerry Judy's sophomore year. Jerry Judy had 68. Um, Judy had more yards. Uh, Calvin was at 1,200. Okay. Uh, Judy was at 1,300. Uh, he did have more touchdowns Calvin Johnson, though, at 15 compared to Judy's 14. Mm-hmm. But an insane, like, 19 yards a catch uh, yeah. for Judy, where uh, Calvin Johnson was at 15.8. But I, I don't think the stats really matter because— to answer your question, and it's it's the reason why I don't think Jerry Judy will go uh, in, in the mm-hmm. top three. Who is Jerry Judy's quarterback? Tua. Who is Cal- who is Calvin Johnson's quarterback in two thousand six? Could not name you this exactly. Quarterback. That's the point. Is the quarterback is so important nowadays, and it doesn't it doesn't matter who Calvin Johnson's quarterback was mm-hmm. because Calvin Johnson was a transition a transcendent talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But Calvin Johnson put up nearly similar stats with a much worse quarterback named Reggie Bell. Or do you want his backup? <laughs> Taylor Bennett. Um, like, he, was, he wasn't he was dealing with the best quarterbacks out there and still had a phenomenal junior season where, you know, Jerry Judy, who is still a phenomenal talent, I think still a top 10 player. Um, but I, I, you're dealing with a guy who has a most likely number one overall pick throwing to him. So mm-hmm. Jerry Judy, it's intrinsically easier for him to put up those stats because of the talent that he's dealing with on that whole Alabama team outside of the quarterback even set. I mean, he's still got great weapons on the outside. They have a great offensive line, and they still have the ability to run the ball. I mean, you were just dealing with Josh Jacobs, a first-round pick last year. So he was a part of a very Mm well-run offense. And Jerry Judy, again, is phenomenal, putting up 1,300 yards in your sophomore year and 15 touchdowns and over 19 yards a catch is ridiculously insane. And he is a phenomenal talent, and I think he's going to be a pretty good NFL pro. But what he doesn't have on his side is elite size like Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, A.J. Green does. Um, he's smaller than all those guys, uh, both 
height-wise, about two inches smaller than Julio Jones coming out. And weight-wise, he's only 192 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so that side is hurting him. And also, like you said, I mean, there's three quarterbacks that, I mean, Justin Herbert was most likely a number one pick if he came out this year. And then you have to go along with that. Tua, who we just talked about, who looks like the guy. And then Jake Fromm as well. Um, coming out of Georgia. So, I mean, there are three guys there that could just take over the top three spots. And you look at the teams that could need quarterbacks, Jacksonville if Nick Foles doesn't work out, mm-hmm. uh, Miami if, uh, well, no one's going to work out there. Uh, may- maybe Rosen, Rosen does, but, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they if Rosen worked out there and they just traded him again. Mm-hmm. Um, Bills could, pro- no, Bills can't. They just took, uh, what's his face? Um, I don't know, Vikings, like Giants again, because I think Daniel Jones is going to suck. The Bengals. Um, there you go. Bengals. So, I mean, right there. Uh, the three actual teams, Jacksonville, mm-hmm. uh, Miami, and the Bengals, those three teams could all take quarterbacks. Well, I mean, you look at it, too, and, of course, um, I'm going to use Tankathon as the example here because, yet again, we don't know where these teams are going to end up. Um, right now, the top five on Tankathon is Miami at one, Cincy at two, Arizona, New York Giants, and then Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Or the Bucks could be one, the too. Two, well, yeah. The Bucks, Bengals, and Miami – they all have quarterbacks going to those. Like, they have Jerry Judy right now at three to the Arizona Cardinals where I'm like, okay, I could see Larry Fitzgerald retiring, Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella. Um, neither of those two guys scream number one. But to me, the big thing that I looked at when it came to most of those guys that were drafted in the top ten, most of those guys were either six three, six four, six five. And most of them were 200 pounds plus when it came to their size on the field. And with me, with Jerry Judy, it's like I don't want to put him in a box and say, oh, because you're 6'1", 193, you're not going to be able to be anything in the NFL. Like, no, that'd be preposterous for me to say. But the thought that I had last night, and I don't know if this is a good thought, I don't know if it's a bad thought, I was watching his highlights, and to me it was like, okay, of course he's got the big arm of Tua, but it was a lot of he either ran himself open, and then after he got the ball, what he was able to do with his speed, and then that juke move. Like, he's got that one step that is able to throw defenders, and then he's able to go around them, or it was just, hey, I'm going to beat you off the line, and two is going to put the ball in the exact situation that it needs to be in or the exact spot it needs to be for me to make the catch. And I paused it halfway through, and I'm like, I've seen this before. Like, I feel like I'm watching somebody that I've already seen in the NFL. I pulled up Julian Edelman's tape, and it looks near. It looks nearly similar. The only thing that I would say is maybe Jerry Judy – will be more athletic than Julian Edelman. But That's, I mean I won't argue on that one. But it's like the the routes, the catching, mm. I'm like I mean he's what two inches what three inches taller than Julian Edelman. But yeah, it's like Jules is five eleven. The the routes that they run, the way the quarterback throws them open, I'm like, hey, maybe he's a Julian Edelman type of receiver because he's only six one about 290, 292, 293. Yeah, I don't want to bash Julian either. I mean, obviously, I'm a Patriot fan. Um, <laughs> and he was obviously so great for us. Mm-hmm. And Julian is extremely athletic. I mean, he was a former high school or former college quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, has great speed over the middle and obviously worked himself into a great position uh, in his NFL career. I, I don't know if I see 
necessarily Julian Edelman, though, because a huge thing about that is taking hits hard over the mm-hmm. middle and putting yourself on the line. And I didn't see Jerry Judy do that a ton in Alabama, just mainly because he wasn't put in that position because he was faster than everybody. Yeah. I, I honestly think he's kind of a, just a, a smaller version of Sammy Watkins. Okay. I, I think you, you see that speed. And I mean, he, I think it was clocked that he ran a four four seven, which isn't like, you know, blazing top notch speed, but it is fairly elite. Mm-hmm. And I think the big thing that will help him, I think he's got very fluid hips. And I think he'll be able to make nice cuts and breaking out of it. And I think he can get up to that top speed fairly quickly. So I, I think Judy, while he might not be, you know, uh, Tavon Austin quick, uh, I think he will still be able to have NFL speed and NFL agility. I, I just don't know if he's got the the size to be a top three pick. And I think that's what it really comes down to. And getting into that, the guys that you were mentioning that are now elite wide receivers and what they mm-hmm. had going for them that were taken in, in the uh, top uh, 10 in the past 10 years, uh, the 13 guys, the guys that I'm taking from probably Amari Cooper, um, I didn't use Mike Evans, but Mike Evans definitely. AJ Green, Julio Jones, and then obviously I took in Calvin. And you look at Julio Jones, he came out 6'3, 220 out of Alabama. Um, and you look at what he did uh, a cone drill, three cone drill, uh, 6.66. Um, he had a 4.2 20 yard shuttle, a 11 second 60 yard shuttle, a 38 vert, and then a 4.3 uh, 40. Where we just talked about Judy mm-hmm. being a four four seven, he could obviously get higher. He can he can do a better have a better time. Um, but Calvin Johnson is the one too. Like if we're talking about top three yeah. picks, he probably should have been the number one pick. But no one wanted to take a wide receiver mm-hmm. at number one, which is fair. But he was six five two thirty seven, which is much bigger than Jerry Judy, and he ran a four point three. Calvin Johnson was a goddamn freak. Like <laughs> that's insane. Judy isn't that. And then you look at A.J. Green, a guy, again, another SEC guy, um, 6'4", 210. So very similar, at least weight-wise. I mean, he wasn't, I mean, A.J. Green wasn't big at all. Um, he still has about 18 pounds, I think, mm-hmm. on Jerry Judy at, at 210. Um, but his 40 was 4, uh, or sorry, that was his 20. Um, his 40 was 4.5. So that's mm-hmm. more similar to Judy uh, there. But he had a pretty decent uh uh, 20 yard shuttle was a 4.21, uh, and then the 60 was a, an 11.4. Um, so he he was a little bit slower than um, Julio Jones at that point. Julio Jones had a better combine, um, and Julio Jones also has, had a better career. Um, and then I think the last person is Amari Cooper. Uh, Cooper had a 4.42 40 yard dash and a 6.7 cone drill. So mm-hmm. he was a little bit faster than what Judy is now and looking at the height he is similar to Judy at 6'1 uh, but he w- came weighing in at 211 so I think the biggest thing that Judy's going to need to work on is if he w- does want to be a top three pick and if he does want to be that upper echelon he's got to work on that speed just to make sure that top speed is as fast as possible because I think he does have great acceleration and I think adding weight will be huge for Judy because right now he's not getting hit because he's faster than everybody. But, but what is he going to do level, at the next level mm-hmm. getting hit, going over the middle, if that is going to be his position in the slot, which I don't think it will be. I think he'll be an outside uh, an outside uh, guy. Um, what is he at that position? And if you know he is getting hit, how will he be able to take it? How will his body hold up? Because that will be the biggest concern that I have. Mm-hmm. The thing that I also am looking at is Two things. First off, a little trivia for you guys. The other wide receiver that was taken in the top three other than Calvin Johnson was in the 2005 draft wide receiver out of Michigan 
a Mr. Braylon Edwards. And when he came out, um, he was a four-year guy at Michigan. His last year had 1330, so 1,330 yards, third straight season of over 1,000 yards, and he had 15 touchdowns on 97 receptions. But at that 2000 combine, his 40-yard dash was a 4-3-6. And looking at this past NFL combine that happened, if Jerry Judy ran the 4-4-7 that you said, there would have been 14 guys that ran a quicker 40 than him, and he would have had the same exact 40 time as Jalen Smith, wide out from Louisville. So to me, it's like what I see on the tape is a really good wide receiver, especially, like I said, mm-hmm. that juke mover, that stab that he's got with that first step is absolutely killer. But there are so many other wide receivers that are going to be really good this year. Um, the ones I look at is like um, Lavishka um, Sinault, um, who is a junior entering his junior year with Colorado 6'2", 220 um, had just shy of 1,200 yards last year, um, only six touchdowns. Um, he also rushes the ball as well. The guy who I think could overtake um, Judy as the number one wide receiver with a really good year with ex-Alabama quarterback Jalen um, Hurts is CeeDee Lamb. 6'2", 189 might be uh, a little thin, mm-hmm. um, but he's a guy that almost had two thousand. Like, I know he plays for... Oklahoma. I know he plays in the Big 12 and they're just air raid offenses and throw the ball all day, but almost 2,000 yards on the season, 111 receptions, had 18 touchdowns last year. And then you got guys like T. Higgins, who is going to be coming back um, for his junior season. He's going to play with Trevor Lawrence, which is a really good quarterback. And then Colin Johnson, also, who's a 6'6 monster out there um, for the Texas Longhorn, 6'6, 220. So it's like, I'm not saying that all these guys, obviously, are going to overtake um, Mm -hmm. Jerry Judy. Like, I expect Jerry Judy to be the top, if not the second best wide receiver at the end of this whole draft process. But to me, it also comes to if you're going to be a top three guy in this draft, you're going to either need exceptional height. So you need to be like 6'4", 6'5", and be able to go up and get the ball. Or you're just going to be need to be a guy that's like, oh, I'm a four three forty, if not quicker than that, which four three is really quick. So it's like mm-hmm. I'm not expecting him to run much quicker, but you need to be a four three guy if I'm going to take you top three over a Tua, over a Jake Fromm, or even over a Chase Young, who I think is criminally low right now um, on many mock drafts and big boards. Yeah, I agree with you on CD Lamb. Watching him last year was insane. Um, I thought he would look better than Hollywood Brown mm-hmm. at, at points. And you obviously look at the last two games and he balled out, especially that Texas game. That Texas mm-hmm. game was an absolute coming out game. Um, he was impressive. And you, you talked about, you know, being in that offense, but that really doesn't matter to me anymore because a lot of NFL offenses are just going that way. Yeah. So if I you mean, can play, you can Kansas play. Kansas City. Yeah. If you can play, mm-hmm. you can play. I mean, it's natural speed, natural gift, natural ability is mm-hmm. going to win out no matter what. Um it's just, does CeeDee Lamb have more natural gift and more natural ability than Jerry Judy? And obviously, we're going to have to see that whole year play out. Um, in the end, I don't think either will be top three level. Mm-hmm. I think you mentioned, obviously, uh, uh, you know, 
the four guys that you think are going to be up there. Mm-hmm. I think clearly we're going to have at least two quarterbacks in the top three. Yeah. That's just natural, especially with the teams that do need them, especially looking at the Florida teams in Miami and Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. I think those teams are probably going to stick out like a sore th- thumb, and that's going to be what we're going to be looking at is probably Tua going number one or number two, uh, depending on what kind of year he does have. I think there are pretty decent arguments to be made for Jake Fromm to be number one or even Justin Herbert uh, or Jacob Eason if Eason has a great year in Washington. Um, I would probably rank them going into this year, though, as Tua, Fromm, Herbert, Mm -hmm. um, and then Eason at at four. Yeah. And I think at least two of those guys are going to be top three. And then it's really going to be dependent on does this team have a quarterback already? And, you know, like, do the Jets already have, like, I I would think the Jets would be a team that would probably go wide receiver Mm -hmm. because they already have a great defense. Their defense is pretty top-notch. They already have a star in Jamal Adams. They have a pretty good linebacking core. They have a good front line. And then you look at their running back situation, they just signed Le'Veon Bell. So if the Jets are bad, I think that's where you might look because you still have Sam Darnold. You need to get him a weapon. Mm -hmm. Judy or CeeDee Lamb, whoever is the best wide receiver, that might come out. But I I think you really need to have a perfect storm like that to even get a top three wide receiver considered, let alone that actually becoming reality. They're all talented, without Mm -hmm. a doubt. And I think think both of them are probably going to be top ten picks. But that is such a high value to take a player there unless he is a Kelvin Johnson. Yeah. That's why it, it, he worked out because it was so clear that he was going to work out mm-hmm. at 65 4.35 speed and with that jumping ability. Obviously the best like the best He's the wide best wide receiver, receiver I've ever seen. To where it's like when he retired it was like, well great, what do the Lions do now? Yeah, he was the I mean I didn't see Moss in his prime. Mm-hmm. I saw well I saw 2007 Moss. Yeah. But I would take Kelvin Johnson. Like Kelvin Johnson that like Megatron. I mean, over Randy Moss. Until the seven. thing that helped Randy Moss too was having a guy like Chris Carter next to him, like having both. Two thousand seven. No, I, I didn't see that. I'm saying Moss. I'm. Yeah, but I didn't see with that me Moss. like growing up in that mm-hmm. like that obviously helped him in those years. Well, and the other thing that was that, the greatest duo I've ever seen. And the other thing that helped him too in two thousand seven was having the greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean Megatron. Like you look at that twenty twelve year. Mm-hmm. Unstoppable, and he only had five touchdowns that year. Mm-hmm. But he had nearly two thousand yards receiving, which yeah. makes zero sense. But he was a guy that you could just throw the ball up to, and mm-hmm. he come down with it. I remember that the Cowboys game, like it was like yesterday. Like mm-hmm. that was one of the greatest performances I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think there's a Calvin Johnson out there, I, and even the guys that have been great, like uh, Julio Jones and like AJ Green. They still deal with a lot of injuries, and that's something that you're going to have to deal with that position, taking so much physicality. And with how much you pass, that's going to be a worry and a concern. So I think clearly quarterback is the number one need, and then after that, um, looking for a impact defensive player will probably be taking more need over a wide receiver. Yeah, and the other thing too is, last thing I'll say is, I even think, let's say Miami and Cincinnati are not 1-2, even if a team like, the Cardinals, if a team like the Giants, a team that doesn't need a quarterback is 1-2, they are going to trade out of that in order to get a team. Like a team is going to trade up for a quarterback, and I just also think that the big thing is, like I said, Chase Young, who last year had about, what, 14.5 tackles for loss, 9.5 sacks um, in 13 games, He's a guy that could really 
surprise us this year. So, like, for me, if I had to give my top three in no particular order, I think Tua Fromm and Chase Young are going to be in the top three. Last thing I will ask you is, are you on board with that? Would that be your top three? And then is Judy a top five pick? That's the last thing we'll say. Because I think he could be a top five pick, but won't be a top three pick. I will I will answer that one first, the top five pick. Mm-hmm. I think that it's going to be majorly dependent on the teams and how they play out. Yeah. If he was a top five pick, I wouldn't be shocked, but I will and I'll say that he is. I think he I think he'll end up coming out as a top five pick. Mm-hmm. Um the only way I see that he doesn't is that if he is not if he's if he if someone overtakes him as the best college wide receiver. Yeah. But right now I would say that he is. Um and the other one is is it top three wide receivers or is it top three? Just top three in general. Oh, okay. Like then, what would you think would be the top three picks yeah. in no particular order? Uh I would say Tua, number one. Mm-hmm. Uh obviously it's team dependent, but I would say if if it's a team that needs a quarterback, someone's trading up for him at one. Yeah, I would say I would say that it's it's going to be Tua. Uh, then I will put Fromm because I think he is fantastic. I think mm-hmm. I think that he is a natural NFL QB, um, and I think that pe- teams would be honestly probably stupid to not go after him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he is more of a complete package than a. Justin Herbert. I wasn't too much in love with Justin Herbert. Just most people thought he was going to go number one, uh, but it wasn't that great of a uh, what's it called that great of a uh, draft Class. last year anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think another quarterback goes up there, so I wouldn't be shocked if the tackle from Georgia, uh, Andrew Thomas, goes mm-hmm. high just due to the natural ability of uh, him, and then also just what what teams want to do with their quarterbacks and that's protect them so Mm -hmm. if a team like the jets are up there and they see you know do we take a wide receiver or tackle um i think tackle could also win out just to protect your guy in in, uh in in sam darnold uh but outside of that i would probably say it's either chase young or andrew thomas i would say thomas young or raekwon davis Okay, those three all vying yeah. for that number three. Spot. I would say, watching what Davis did last year, I'd probably put Davis at three. Okay, so Tua from Raekwon Davis. Okay, and then I think Judy could definitely fight for mm-hmm. the four or five spot because I'm not think... sold. I'm not sold on any of them. Uh, like I'm not sold on for sure Thomas being mm-hmm. the guy uh, at, at four or uh, Chase Young being the guy at four or whatever. Um, and Chase Young could obviously move up too. Um, and I mean who. Uh, I mean, I don't get the whole Miles Garrett thing. Did any of those guys play with Miles Garrett? Like, no, it was like, just he was yeah, one of his I'm teammates just, was asked, and he was like, "Yeah, I think he'll be better than Miles Garrett." Okay, dude, what do you know about Miles Garrett? <laughs> I don't know. That that annoys me. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't. I'm not buying into that hype. But at least you know, obviously, seeing how they play out, I would go with that top three though. Okay, uh, Tua from Raekwon Davis. Yeah, I just think that the biggest thing is when you look at like the past drafts, teams are not. Unless you are like, holy shit, we need to take you top three. Most of those wide receivers like Amari Cooper, Sammy Watkins, Justin Blackman, who were top wide receivers in their time in college, fourth overall. It's like just not cracking that top three except for like Calvin Johnson and Braylon Edwards. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think down below in that comment section. 
Would you take Jerry Judy top three? Do you think he's going to be top three? Um, if not, is he a top five? Is he a top ten? Is he not even the top wide receiver at the end of this year? Is it a CeeDee Lamb? Is it um, the wide receiver out of Colorado? Is it somebody else that overtakes him? Let us know what you guys think down below. But, Sean, let's move into our next topic, and we're taking a look at Tua Tunga-Viola, the quarterback that I'm glad I learned how to say his name early on because this is a quarterback that we are going to talk about at nauseum this year. We've already done Mark and I on the onside kick, did a who will be the number one pick a couple months ago, which if you think talking about the draft in July is early, talking about it in what the draft happened in April, May. So talking about it in late May, early June was uh, even a little bit more ridiculous. But we're looking at Tua because everyone's putting him at the top. Like ever since the championship game where he came in in overtime or the end of the fourth quarter into overtime mm-hmm. and beat Georgia, everyone's like, this kid's going to be a first round talent. Then Trevor Lawrence last year, everyone's like, oh, oh. Tua's going to be good, but, oh, man, this Trevor Lawrence kid's going to be really good in 2021. Yeah, I mean, the saving grace <laughs> for Tua is that Trevor Lawrence is a year younger. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if Trevor Lawrence was in this draft class. He would have been the—he'd be the top guy we're talking not about. Not even close. Um, Tua's—and Tua's really good. He is. Trevor Lawrence is just insane. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, just to kind of lay everything out. The question is, should teams tank for Tua? Should they do what the Colts did when Andrew Luck was coming out in the suck for luck? Should they tank for Tua? That's the thing is, I don't think the Colts tanked for Tua. Uh, for, well, for they Andrew sucked Luck. for Luck. They were they were just they were a just horrible dead. team. Curtis Painter was their quarterback. <laughs> that was a choice, and I don't think it was a choice to tank. I yeah. think they didn't they have any other got options. Rid of, well, they got rid of their option in Peyton Manning. No, he was injured that year. Yeah, no, that was the year. oh, that's right. He left after that year. Yeah. They said no, thank you. Yeah, okay. they said bye bye. Yeah, well, it was uh, the neck, and then they Arquois. said bye, and then he went to Denver. Yeah, but this year alone. You've got Tua. Then you've got Justin Herbert, who could have came out last year, but then was like, not nope, going to stay because I want to play with my brother, who's going to be a tight end at Oregon. You've got Jake Fromm at Georgia. And then you have Jacob Eason, who was like, hey, frame, fr- uh, Fromm, not Frame, Fromm took the job from me. So I'm going to go sit out a year last year. And now I'm going to play for the Washington Huskies this year. Starting with the 2020 class alone, yeah. should NFL teams tank for Tua knowing that, hey, if we're the fifth, sixth, even the second or third, there's going to be a quarterback there, whether it's Herbert, Fromm, or Eason? No, they should not tank for Tua because I think the biggest thing that stands out to me is you know, they say at any given Sunday, and I don't mm-hmm. think that that means, you know, the Miami Dolphins can be a playoff team if they go out there and hustle every 16 games because <laughs> um, they're a bad team. 16-0, and 0, baby. But I, I do think that tanking in the NFL is stupid just because having a good year, I think, is more important than, you know, mm-hmm. tanking to possibly get a guy and, and take a shot. Because if you're doing your job correctly, you can always find guys that can make an impact on, on the field. And teams like for my, you know, teams like Miami, there is an option in a way that you still have a quarterback on the roster that could be a future quarterback in Josh Rosen. So it's not really the need that you need a, you know, a young quarterback on that on that roster. You mm-hmm. can always build up the one that you have. Yeah. So I don't think it's necessary for them to tank 
um, just thinking of Miami because I think that they're most likely going to be the worst team. Um, you know, taking in Cincinnati as well. Cincinnati, you have a quarterback in Andrew Andy Dalton, who I am not in love with, and I think you should probably should have cut before this year. Um, and then you look at uh, you know them bringing in a new head coach, especially him being an offensive guy. You think that they could probably go after a quarterback, but if you're doing your scouting well, you can find a guy in the second round that could that could still make a, an impact. I mean, it's not always for sure and, and certain that the guy that is going to be the best quarterback in that draft class is going to be the number one guy coming mm-hmm. out. Um, even then, I mean, look at Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton was a second-round pick. So you're able to find value if you're just doing the right scouting. And I think what's most important for these teams is making sure that you're not wasting a year of the guys that you already have. Because if the Bengals tank, then they're just wasting a year of A.J. Green if they don't trade him. If they tank, they're just wasting another year of... Joe Mixon. They're wasting uh, the ability for, I think it's Zach Dyson, right? What's their, what's their uh, coach? Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor? Is it mm-hmm. Zach Taylor? I think it's Zach Taylor. That doesn't sound right. Is it Zach Taylor? It is Zach Taylor. Um, that was Zach uh, Dyson or whatever. But uh, <laughs> Zach Taylor, um, I mean, he needs the ability to at least win over that locker room. Mm-hmm. And if he's, you know, and if they're tanking, and if they're, yeah, if they're tanking and they're not trying and they're, they're just giving up every single Sunday, then you're going to lose that locker room, and you're already going to fail on a head coach, and you're going to have to fire him right away. Mm-hmm. So I think tanking could be extremely detrimental to your health of your franchise. Just for one player, are you going to sacrifice the you know the lives of like 75 guys, including the coaching staff, because you got the 53 man roster, then mm-hmm. obviously you know the coaching staff that's along with it. You're going to sacrifice all that for one guy. Seems pretty ridiculous to me. Where you can you know try and hey maybe you're the seventh seed or whatever or uh, seventh team uh seventh pick whatever um but you can still find a guy like jacob Fromm, who i think is a fantastic quarterback or Mm -hmm. justin herbert who was seen as the number one quarterback last year i think you should see how good you are because if you are you know a, a really great team outside of one position then you could go in and attack that position so if the bengals realize that andy dalton still has a lot left in his tank you still have him under contract, he has this great year under Zach Taylor, revitalized his career, then why are you going to then go out and get a number one pick in, in, in Tua Tungavaloa mm-hmm. um, and make that guy your quarterback and not really know if he's the guy? And even just looking at Tua last year and what he did, he was phenomenal, but you look at the first eight games, he was 25-0. to 0. Mm-hmm. He had 25 touchdowns to zero interceptions. Yeah. And then he started facing tougher competition. that started putting more pressure on him. And in that last stretch of Louisiana State, LSU, to Clemson, he started to look a little bit more mortal and had six interceptions over those, uh, what, seven games? Mm-hmm. I can't do math. What's nine, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15? Yeah, seven games. Um, over those last seven games, he had six interceptions, which isn't bad by any any. But you know, compared means. to the 25 and 0, yeah, it's like, holy I mean, he, shit, what's going he on? He looked more normal, and you saw more, mm-hmm. uh, more flaws into his game. And I don't think it's necessarily clear that – at the end of this season, two is going to be the best quarterback out of this draft class. Right now, he is, mm-hmm. and he had a phenomenal season. But how limited is he? Is he dealing with great weapons, and he just was able to find them? How well is a lefty quarterback going to do in the NFL? And this is as a lefty. Mm-hmm. There's not a ton of lefties out there. The last great one was Mike Vick. So what are you going to be able to do in the NFL especially compared to some of the flaws that you're now showing in your college career. If Tua comes out and has a phenomenal year again, then I wouldn't be shocked if he's in a one overall pick. But I don't think you should tank for him because that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to hit in the NFL 
And again, you could really be hurting the actual uh, ecosystem of your NFL team by tanking. Yeah, and when I look at the teams, I'm going to have a complex answer where if you ask me should teams tank for Tua, the answer is going to be no. If you asked me should teams tank for the number one pick, I would say no except for one. And let me get into it. Into that first, the should teams tank for Tua, Miami. Well, why are you tanking for Tua when you just traded for Josh Rosen? With me, March Josh Rosen out there. Like I know you signed. Yeah, th- thick but, but then to answer that question, why did the Arizona Cardinals not tank? But why did they then go take out Kyler Murray when you just took Josh well, Rosen? And, no, that's what I'm saying. Let March Josh Rosen out there. Let him play. Mm-hmm. If you suck and you're the first overall pick. Then you got a decision to make. Hey, if you don't like Rosen, cool, you can take Tua. Guess what? If you're number two and you don't like Rosen, you can take Herbert. You can take Fromm. There's going to be quarterbacks there at two. For Miami, let's see what Rosen – like maybe Rosen goes out there and he actually like what you traded for. Um, The Bengals are interesting because – Andy Dalton, his contract next year is going to be his contract year. Mm -hmm. So I think they're in prime position – to take a quarterback, but I don't think they necessarily need Tua to be that quarterback where they could bring in a guy like Fromm, bring in a guy like Eason, bring in a guy like Herbert, let him sit that first year, and then after Dalton is gone, buy Andy, and then our new guy comes in who we drafted in 2020. Um, Arizona obviously doesn't need a quarterback. The Giants, I guess, don't need a quarterback because they just drafted one last year, although they took them way too high. Um, The next one is the Buccaneers. But the Buccaneers, if you're really like, A, I don't see tanking being in the blood of um, Bruce Arians. He just doesn't seem like a tanking kind of guy. But also it's like you're then setting Jameis up for failure. Like let Jameis go out there and try to win a future um, with the Buccaneers. And then after that, I just don't think there's teams like maybe the Raiders have a catastrophic year this year. I know the number one pick, but like after Mm -hmm. that, I think teams are going to be maybe too good to necessarily be that number one pick. Now, if you ask me if there's a team that should tank for the number one overall pick, I would say, yes, that team is the New York giants. And the reason why I say, should they tank is Today on the, um, I think it's Golic and Wingo now, Mm -hmm. um, they asked uh, Sal Pal, um, hey, you know what, uh, is there going to be a competition for the quarterback spot in New York? And he said, oh, I don't think I know. So basically open competition in New York for that job. If I'm New York, if I want to tank for the number one pick, you can do it without actually trying to be bad. Like, if I'm the Giants and I'm like, all right, we don't need Tua because we took our guy Daniel Jones, but, man, I would love to get that number one pick in order to get some draft capital from a team that might want to trade up for Tua. How I do that is I tank by saying, all right, Eli, you're done. Daniel Jones is starting. Mm -hmm. That's how I tank because I just don't think Daniel Jones is going to be a good quarterback. So really you're confusing your fans by saying, yeah, we're letting our rookie go out there and get game experience, but you're tanking in the process. I kind of like that. I mean, just because the idea of 
them being so bad at drafting, it means they're tanking is hilarious. And you dra- and you drafted them so high to where it's like, well, we have to play him this early. He's we our guy. We did the best idea. <laughs> we picked the best player, best quarterback available for us at six. And we're going to start him, and that means we're tanking. Mm-hmm. It's a ridiculous idea, but I do like it. Um, but what, what's the idea? What's the goal for them to tank? The goal for them to tank would be to get the number one pick. So then they could trade back. In order to trade back to get more draft capital. Because they don't need a quarterback. Yeah, but they do. <laughs> no, 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 no. Between us, we like between normal people, they do. But Giants management, they yeah. don't. Um, <laughs> man, I, I would say that. If the Giants tanked, I think it would. I mean, I, I, I what does tanking even look like in the NFL? You know, like you can't trot out market like Michael Carter Williams out there. Like, is mm-hmm. that is Daniel Jones just the equivalent? Yeah, of trotting it, trotting out like it's like Robert what you Covington. said the Colts did instead of trying to get a decent starter at quarterback. Oh, we're gonna throw Curtis Painter out there. Like we are deliberately gonna throw a backup out there when because that was the big thing during that season. It was like. You know, you could go out and get this guy, and he could be a, no, 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 we're good. Curtis Painter's our starter. Mm-hmm. Like, that is tanking in the NFL. Like, it would be like the the Dolphins if they were just like, no, we're not going to start Rosen. We know uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to lose us games this year, but it doesn't matter. We're going to play him. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's uh, – so teams that would be, I think, then tanking, mm-hmm. Daniel Jones, the Giants – um, purposely starting him if he's mm-hmm. not ready. Eli should be the starter. Um, the Dolphins, if they start Fitzpatrick over Rosen. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if Fitzpatrick's a better quarterback, it's just still the wrong decision because yeah. of what Rosen could be. And then the other team that I think would be in that range would then be the Bucks, because Bruce Arians is all about, oh, we're starting Jameis Winston. I wouldn't be shocked if that's just a play to mm-hmm. make sure that we, you guys can clearly say that you were wrong. You moved. You tried out Jameis Winston. You missed on that pick, and now you can take another shot at a, at a highly ranked quarterback. So, I think those would be the three teams that could tank mm-hmm. for Tua. But I don't think it's a. I don't think it's an actual strategy. I don't think it's strategery from any of these teams. I, I think that if they are the number one pick, they will just absolutely suck. Because the backup because of now the lack of talent on both sides. The backup the in Tampa now is uh, Yo Gabba Gabba, Blaine Gabbert. Is now their back. Cardinal stud. That's mm-hmm. why Bruce Arian, Arians got him. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I don't think tanking is a viable option. And even if it was, I wouldn't be tanking for Tua. Mm-hmm. I would just be waiting and tanking for Trevor Lawrence because yeah. you can see that he's bigger. He's got a well, better arm. He's more poised. He's he's just he's got an incredible ball. Mm-hmm. You you see what he was doing in the national championship game. And it wasn't even, you know, that he was doing it against Alabama. It wasn't that he was, you know, he put up X amount of stats or whatever he put up. It was literally just the balls that he were throwing were mm-hmm. insane. And Tua, I don't think, has that consistency of what Trevor Lawrence was doing day in, day out last season. And it took him a while to get up to speed, but when he was up to speed, he looked insanely great. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be taking for Tua, I'd be taking for Trevor Lawrence. Well, that's also the next place I was going to go. You look at the 2020 class, and of course that class is going to develop as we get through this one and get... Um, done with 2020, but right now there are clearly two names at the top of that quarterback class, Trevor Lawrence being the one where many people are like, he's going to be the first overall pick in 2021. But then also 
there's a lot of people looking at Justin Fields, the ex-Georgia quarterback who is now with the Ohio State Buckeyes to where I don't necessarily know. Well, of course, we got to see him play this year because, yeah. I mean, Justin Fields, um, we saw him play limitedly at Georgia. He played in 12 games but only threw 42 passes um, for 266 yards, four touchdowns. Um, caught one pass for negative 10 yards. Um, we're going to obviously need to see him in a lot more of a workload as the starter at Ohio State. But, like, those are two quarterbacks to where it's like, hey, do we necessarily have to throw a season away? Because also it's harder to, in my mind, it's harder to throw a season away in the NFL mm-hmm. because – like in basketball, it's okay, we can get this one guy and he can change our franchise. Where it's like in the NFL, oh, great, we got Tua. Oh, the rest of our team still blows. So we're still a bad team. Yeah. It's not like one guy in football can change a team's win loss like you can see in basketball. So, like, there's that too, to where I'm like, don't tank. Your team's probably going to be bad, anyways. Just let the uni- let the NFL gods, the football gods, do as they may, and you'll probably end up with a three-win season and still be number one. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, if you're a bad team, it's going to shine. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree with you that it's not that important because you can't get that guy to change. I mean, Peyton Manning showed you that. I mean, Peyton Manning was always a great quarterback, but they didn't start winning until they had Marvin Harrison and, mm-hmm. and Reggie Wayne and a great coach in uh, – Tony Dungy out there and, and a great uh, running running back in Edron James and also Joseph Adai to go along with Jeff Saturday on the line and Bobby Sanders or uh, it, was, it was Bob Sanders mm-hmm. uh, Bob Sanders in, 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 the, in the defensive side along with Dwight Freeney and, and Robert Mathis like you needed a complete team and even then people still are like oh yeah Peyton Man didn't have enough help he didn't have the defense that Tom Brady had so with all of that said one guy is not going to change your franchise he mm-hmm. can make it much easier to build it if the Colts didn't have Peyton Manning ever, they wouldn't have been in that situation. But you needed everybody else to be that team that took it and didn't waste Peyton Manning's career. You know, right now mm-hmm. you could argue that the career of Andrew Luck is being wasted out in Indianapolis because there's no help around him. Yeah. There's there's nothing out there for him to make into a great team. They've ever been a Super Bowl contender with Andrew Luck. They've been a playoff team because Andrew Luck is that good, mm-hmm. but they never had that defense or that coach or that. Well, I mean, they might have that coach now, but they never had that that defense or that coach before or the weapons around him or the offensive line to make them Super Bowl contenders. So while it might be a push and, a, and a definitely a running start to get a guy like Trevor Lawrence or Tua Tungavailoa out of the mouthful, um, <laughs> it doesn't mean that you're going to be great just because you got a great quarterback. So... I would say that naturally, if you're asking me if you should tank for Tua, it's a no. Mm-hmm. But if you were going to tank, don't tank for Tua because Trevor Lawrence is coming. Yeah. And if you're a bad team this year, just don't make any additions. Mm-hmm. Just be the Miami Dolphins. Sign three free agents and just yeah. be a bad team the next year. I, I would tank for Trevor Lawrence if we're, if we're if we're playing that game. And honestly, right now, I will say the if it's true that many people, many mock draft boards already that have – the Dolphins as the worst team this year. If I'm a Miami fan, I'm not hoping – I'm hoping Josh Rosen plays well 
and you get the number one pick because the thing that I look at is the la- we got to go back to the Carson Wentz Jared Goff draft for this, but like look at the halls that both the Rams or not the Rams, the Titans and the uh, Cleveland Browns got for those two were the Cleveland Philly deal was Cleveland traded the second pick and a conditional fifth in 2017 um, to the Eagles where the Eagles gave up a first, a third, a fourth um, as well as a first in the 2017 draft and a second in the 2018 draft. And then the Rams to move up, they moved up a little bit further, but Tennessee gave up its first, fourth, and sixth picks um, in exchange for a first, two seconds, a third, and then a first and a third in the next year's draft. Um, And then even you can go back to the Cleveland trade when Houston moved up for Deshaun Watson, Mm -hmm. where even if, let's say, you're 4-5 and you're like, oh, we don't need a quarterback, but Justin Herbert's there— there might be a team that falls in love with a quarterback to where it's like, hey, I'm still getting a haul at five to move back a bit, and I'm getting a future first. Like, yeah. I think that this could be a draft because of where these quarterbacks are where we could see a little bit more trades than we might have seen um, last year or the year before um, because there are going to be teams that fall in love with these draft Yeah, prospects. I don't know if it's going to be the Mitch year again. Because mm-hmm. I think we do have a clear number one guy where that year we didn't really have a clear number one. Yeah. It was just kind of like Mitch ended up being that guy. Mm-hmm. But looking back on it, what did he do yeah. that Deshaun Watson and Pat Mahomes didn't? And there were many people that were like, no, that's wrong. Deshaun Watson should be the first quarterback off But the nobody board. said Pat Mahomes. Yeah, nobody or, said Mahomes. And if Mahomes. they did, everyone's like, you're fucking crazy. <laughs> well, we're just I mean, stupid. C- coming from Texas Tech, didn't think an— Air raid guy, talent's talent man. Um, would be that the... dude had a that dude had a cannon, still has a cannon. <laughs> He's insane. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I think I think just in the end, I, I think we have a clear cut guy, but I don't think he's clear cut enough. It's not mm-hmm. a luck year. It's not a Manning year. I think Trevor Lawrence is the next time that's coming around. And yeah. if teams tank next year, I wouldn't be shocked. Like I said, the only way you tank this year is if the Giants start Daniel Jones and they tank for that number one pick in order to get some draft capital from a team that wants to trade up. But let us know what you guys think down below in that comment section. Is Tua worth the hashtag tank for Tua um, moniker that we're going to hear all of this year? Let us know what you guys think down below. But, Sean, let's move into our last topic, and this is going to be a fun one because – we walked in. I had some recruiting topics um, picked out because, you know, Texas A&M got a big quarterback recently. Um, Virginia in basketball got a big recruit. Um, but you threw out a topic that was just too fun mm-hmm. um, to pass up because last year when we were doing the whole preview thing um, for the PTP before we figured out, you know what, there's a lot of Power 5 teams, um, and it's just pretty much a waste of time to go through all of them because there's so many mm-hmm. of them in college football. Um, I had We had you on for an SEC one, and I want to say it was the one with Kentucky because you brought up how they were kind of a surprise team last year. Yeah, I think it was the West. I think I did. Okay. I don't, I, think I, I don't think I did the Alabama. So whatever division Alabama isn't in, I did that that's one. That's right because Brandon did that because he's an Alabama fan. Yeah, so he I did the other on one. for that one, but – you wanted to talk about teams in college football who could be the biggest surprises 
in 2019. So how I was just going to do this is mm -hmm. conversation back yeah. and forth. I'll let you start where you want to go with your first team or explain how you've got your setup for the biggest surprises in 2019 for college Yeah, football. so I got tiers. So I got, I got guys, teams that, you know, I, I set them up differently, like mm -hmm. teams that probably wouldn't be surprised uh, to be good, yeah. but you know, I think they might be even better than what people are expecting. Uh, I got a team, teams that like are on that fringe of mm -hmm. maybe they'll be good, and then I have complete dark horses, and then I have one other team. Okay, uh, so I have a team that's not even a dark horse. You can't even call Ooh. them a dark horse; they're just that bad. <laughs> um, we'll start off with the team that's actually good. This is a team that I love. This is a team that has been good before, but they've never been elite. Mm -hmm. um, this is a team that has pulled off many upsets before. This is a team that is consistently tough to play at at home. This team has, in my opinion, probably the most slept-on quarterback prospect in the whole upcoming draft. I think he possibly has the ability to be better than Justin Herbert. I think he has the ability to possibly be better okay. than Jacob Eason. I think that this kid is an absolute stud. Do you have any guesses? This is a top 25 team in a it's, Power 5 conference. It's not Jalen Hurts. No. It's not okay. Oklahoma. J Jalen Hurts sucks. I, I want to say Costello from Stanford, no. but I don't think they're in the top 24. Mm -hmm. I have top, no, top 25 out there. I don't think they're in the top 25 yeah, either. Have, I'm trying to think. I don't know, so I'm not going to say any more Big guesses. 10 team. I'll give you one guess. Been good Michigan? at home. They've been consistent. They've been consistently good, but never great. Michigan. Michigan's been great. Michigan has been a national t champion winner. But they have Jim Harbaugh as yeah, their but coach. Big Brother's always been in the way. Okay, they have been a top 10 team. Okay. They've been elite before. Even though they've never beaten Ohio State under Jim Harbaugh, they've still been an elite team. Part of me wants to say, if it's not Michigan, it's got to be what, Michigan State? No. Penn State? No. Those, those no. teams have all been elite before. It's Iowa. Okay. Iowa has never been an elite team before. Tough to when play I, it at home. A lot of upsets. Now it makes Nate sense. Nate Stanley's a stud. Kirk Ferentz the, is a great head easy, coach. The easiest hint you would have had to give me was uh, best tradition in college football with uh, the uh, yeah. the wave into the children's Here's hospital. The thing. Here's the thing. I, I feel bad <laughs> inside that I'm like that I don't like that mm -hmm. because like it's it's waving too sick children and it's making them happier i'm a horrible person ricky whitmer <laughs> but god damn it i don't need to see it every saturday you they just, do it every time at home you just so feel guess what? like it's I crammed down your throat I, they're gonna do it yeah. all right and it, i don't like what changes it's people waving all <laughs> the time so i'm glad that it makes these children happier i hope it makes it easier for <laughs> them it's a it's a very nice and wholesome thing that we do yeah. i'm a jaded person <laughs> things have gone wrong in my life that have made me this horrible ricky i am upset over people waving to sick children sean doesn't but like God damn it, i don't need to see it on fucking instagram every goddamn saturday all right it's not like well, it it's, changes. It's because it's like the, they're in costumes. It's because like, the people share it on social media and they think, hey, by me sharing this, it's I'm like, not taking part in it, but I'm a good person it's like, for sharing it. Did you not see it the last three years? Where have you been, people? It's like the Silent Night shit. I don't need to see that over and over again. They're going to be quiet until the bucket's made and then it's going to be children screaming. I absolutely love it, though. Why? But it's stupid. It's, it's a dumb so thing. It's so funny, though. At least, at least the Iowa thing has an apt, uh, like a true yeah. purpose. I just love like that's a real thing that's the Silent people. Night thing. I just love how awkward it is to watch that game, the first ten points, and I pray each time that they struggle to get to ten, so it just goes longer that we're just in dead silence. Anyways, um, 
But it's Iowa. <laughs> it's Iowa. Um, they they do have a rough schedule, obviously, playing in the Big Ten. It's going to be tough, but they do mm-hmm. have two easy games to start, I think. Uh, Miami of Ohio and Rutgers, both are at home. I think they're going to be able to get out to a 2-0 start. Uh, then they have a tough game at Iowa State, but if they win that, it's going to be you know a 4-0 start because I think they'll beat Metal Tennessee. And then it's really just getting through the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. You're going to start off with your hardest test, and that's going to be Michigan. And if you lose that... I still think that they're probably favored in every other game. I think that they're better than Penn State. I think they're better than Purdue. I think they're definitely better than Northwestern. That's at Northwestern, but Northwestern doesn't have this crazy uh, edge over, um, you know, it doesn't have this crazy home field advantage. Then they have to go to Camp Randall, which will be tough. I think that's their second toughest game this mm-hmm. this whole year, or third toughest game because I think Ohio, uh, Iowa State's going to be a tough one. Uh, I think that's their, 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 their toughest game. Then they have to play, play row that boat, P.J. Fleck, um, against Minnesota, but that's going to be at Iowa. Then they're going to have a cakewalk of Illinois, and then they play Nebraska at Nebraska. That one's going to be tough, but I honestly think that there's a way that they can go 10-2. There's a part of me inside that wants to get mad at you for saying cakewalk, but I just I can't. Illinois is just a bad team. I did like, the math like right when too. You, when you yeah, were I think like, they can go 10-2. When you were like, cakewalk, I want to be like, oh, man, that Your makes team's me trash. angry. I know. If they win three games, it will be a miracle. The thing, though, about Iowa that I really do like about them is defensively this year, especially up front, they are upperclassmen loaded. Like, just looking at their line, two seniors on the inside, you've got um, Chauncey Golson and then AJ, um, I'm going to say this name wrong, Espenzenza? I said that wrong. Oh, Iowa yeah. fans AJ, helped me out. AJ Espenza. Yeah. Like, it's not that tough. AJ F- and Chauncey on F- the outside. Pen- I'm just going to use first names. AJ and Chauncey on the outside, like, I saw a thing on Twitter where it was a gif of, like, people dancing, and it's, like, the Iowa secondary knowing they don't have to cover anyone this year because yeah. the pass rush is going to get to them before mm-hmm. they can throw yeah, the he, ball. Yeah, he's, he's a guy that's going to be in the bronco Nagurski uh, mm-hmm. uh, race. I mean, he's, he's, he's an absolute stud. Uh, so I think you have two guys that are going to be at least stars on both ends of the, uh, of the field in Appenza. And now I'm worried that I'm saying it wrong. I think it's, it might be Appenza. Appenza? Appenza. I'll just say it like you're um, saying, Appenza. I think it might be Appenza. But I think that Nate Stanley is a stud. 6'4", mm-hmm. kid's got a cannon. I think it, in his junior, I think it might be his senior year. Um, but I think he's finally going to take that step that puts him over the edge because he's been young. He hasn't been consistent enough, but he has the talent. And I think that now is the year that he can take that next step. And last year, he was decent, near 60% completion percentage, uh, 2,800 yards, 16 or 26 touchdowns to 10 interceptions. Mm-hmm. I think he might be just getting a little bit more better. I think he might be able to complete more passes. I think he'll make less mistakes. And I think that you're probably going to look at one of the best Big Ten quarterbacks this year in Nate Stanley and one of the best defensive players, and you have a great head coach in Kirk Ferentz, and it's impossible to play in that stadium. Um, so I think overall, Iowa, although their schedule isn't going to be easy because you do have to go to Camp Randall, you mm-hmm. do have to play Michigan, you do have to play at Iowa State, I think that they have a really good chance if they get through those challenges to be a team that might win the Big Ten West. And if they do that, it's just beating Ohio State in the championship game. And if you do that, you're probably going to be a possible top four team. Or, or could be Michigan now that Urban... Uh... Meyer is not uh, coaching the Buckeyes. Yeah, but if you beat Michigan, yeah, then either or. I yeah, mean, it, it's but, probably going to be Ohio State oh, or Michigan. Yeah, never mind. Boy. I was like, if you beat Michigan, you can't play Michigan in the, the Big Ten title game. Yeah, dumbass. They're mm-hmm. in the different, different divisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, beat, but be, but then again, I would rather lose to Michigan in the regular season than and beat them in the Big Ten, yeah. ten championship. So uh, I would. I, I think Iowa could be a team that could be a sleeper. So 
uh, that would be my my first part is the top 25 team. So I am going to go the other route of you. This is going to be a team that are they going to be a team that challenges for their division? No. Are they going to be a team that challenges for the conference? No. Are they going to be a college football playoff team? No. So you might be wondering, Ricky, why are you even mentioning them? This is a team that last year under their new new head coach coming in from Alabama and a quarterback taking the next step in his sophomore season had a pretty good 5-7 and seven season. And I think this could be a year where this team could surprise get three more wins than they had last year and become bowl eligible. That team is the Tennessee Volunteers. Like this is a team last year, Jeremy Pruitt's first year, they go five and seven. It was a lot last year with him. Just, I got to set the culture, what I want it to be. Last year, they had Jarrett um, Garantano throw for just shy of 2000 yards on the season 12 touchdowns, three interceptions. And you might be saying only 12 touchdowns, only three interceptions. That was an up from 997 yards the year before in about half the completions um, and about 100 less attempts in that 2017 season. But I look at this where it's like, okay, Garantano took a step last year. I expect him to take another step this year with this same Jeremy Pruitt system around him. This is a team also looking at their schedule. I think they can get wins off the bat. Like they play Georgia State, BYU, and Chattanooga to start their season. BYU might be the toughest of those three. If Garantano plays well enough, this could be a 3-0 and team heading into the SEC. Then from there on out, it's like, okay, you got to find five wins in those or five wins, UAB is in there too, so I'm going to count that as a win as well. Mm-hmm. So four, you got to find four conference wins, and I mean, South Carolina could be a team that they get the better of. I mean, going to Missouri is going to be tough, but Missouri's never been that great of a team. The big thing with Missouri this year is they've got Kelly Bryant coming in to be their quarterback, coming from Clemson, so. They might be a better team with Kelly Bryant at quarterback. We're going to have to wait and see. Vanderbilt, I don't think, is going to be nothing special. It's just going to be, will Tennessee be a bowl team? Maybe not. But they could be one that surprises if they can find a way to get four conference wins in a tough SEC. I'm going to follow that up with a team that's kind of like Tennessee, a mm-hmm. team that's always been like in that upper tier they've seen, but they've always been struggling at least. Okay. I'm going to go with the U. Um, nice. This is a team that obviously had success before, mm-hmm. um, losing uh, head coach. I'm blanking on his name. Rick Wright. Uh, no, Rick Wright. Or Mark, Mark Wright. Mark Few? No, it was Mark Wright. Mark Wright. The guy from Georgia. Yeah, yeah. And now they got Matt Diaz. Uh, Manny Diaz. Manny Diaz. Matt Diaz was a Matt Diaz was a former Braves outfielder, and thinking. Rick Wright was a former <laughs> SI columnist. Um, I love how we can remember people that do not matter, but the teams that actually matter. We and don't I know said their Mark names. Mark Reich, and you're like Mark Few. No, he's at Gonzaga. He Basketball. is a coach. Um, <laughs> I think that you're looking at team like they, they lost some guys during mm. uh, the draft. Uh, they're they're going to be dealing with some uh, issues at quarterback, um, but I think they have a fairly easy 
conference. They're in the easiest one, I think, in the, the ACC and the Coastal. Um, I think that the schedule's fairly easy. Their defense is going to be good. Manny Diaz does a great job with that defense. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's a team that constantly gets slept on if he's able to feed them that that idea of, hey, we're being slept on, and they're able to force a couple upsets. It's really all about getting that that ACC cha- uh, championship game. And even then, you know, I, I'm, I'm saying this might be, I mean, Kentucky wasn't a top, you know, 15 school, or they weren't a top 10 school, but they were just outside of it. I think this is a team that, you know, might go to the ACC, ACC championship game and at least give Clemson a tough time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be my idea of a great season for for Miami is going to the ACC championship game, which I think is definitely in grafts uh, due to what Manny Diaz has been able to do before with that defense. And I think that the quarterback issue will not be solved, but I think it could be hidden just by how good that defense is. Well, and the thing that's interesting about the quarterback situation is you say hidden we don't really know what to expect from um, Tate Martell because mm-hmm. he was in the whole situation of Ohio, yeah, I'm Ohio the next State. guy at Ohio State. Oh, Justin Fields is in. Fuck you guys. Yeah, I'm gone. but he doesn't have any experience, mm-hmm. and it's just like if he isn't great, there's no promise that he's going to be great. He's talented, but there's no promise that he is great. Mm-hmm. He can't be great. Um, I, I think that you know they might have to hide their quarterback situation. I think the defense can bail them out now. Hey, if Tate Martell is using that talent and he turns out to be great and he has that, you know, fuck you attitude and yeah. wants to turn it around, then maybe we do see this team actually be better than what I'm even expecting. Maybe mm-hmm. they can out succeed my expectations of them out succeeding their expectations. Mm-hmm. So I think Tate, I mean, Tate Martell is definitely a wild card, but if I'm not putting a ton of eggs into that basket because it might break and break all my eggs. I just, you know, the only thing is because I agree with you, but then I don't agree with you. That's fine. Um, because. It's kind of like the same thing we said about Justin Fields in the last segment. Like you just said, he hasn't played, so we can't really like hang our hat on anything. But maybe it's just me trying to be, I don't know, um, what's the word I'm looking for, optimistic. Um, it's got to be better than what we saw last year with uh, Nikosi Perry and uh, Malik Rosier, where it was like, Throw him in. Oh, he's not doing good. Throw him in. Oh, he's not doing good. Uh, which one are we going to throw in today? Where I think the good thing for the U maybe this year is, hey, this is our guy, and we are going to stick with him. Like mm-hmm. He's our guy. No one else is going to take that job away from him. Um, I'll throw out a team that's kind of similar in that sense, and that's to me the USC Trojans, where – this is a team, if you look at their season last year, kind of, it wasn't a great season if you're looking for, from a Trojan standpoint, where Arizona State was better than you, um, with Herm Edwards coming in in his first year as head coach. Um, Utah should be tough again this year. Um, they're probably going to be favorites to win the South. But I look at USC, And, okay, JT Daniels coming back for another year. Last year wasn't a terrible year. It's just can we get those touchdowns up and those interception numbers down um, like it is usually every year um, when it comes to quarterbacks. But I just, to me, I look at this team and I go, okay, can JT Daniels in his sophomore year take a step to where it's like, okay, he's a better quarterback than he was the year before. And to me, it's which which one of these wide receivers is it going to be a Taylor Vaughn's, 
a um, St. Brown, a Michael Pittman Jr. Which one of these guys is going to step up? Pittman Jr. Um, probably being my kind of likely candidate because he's the senior of the squad. Mm-hmm. Which one of these guys is going to step up and be the main weapon for JT Daniels so this USC team can have more wins than it did last year? Because they were, what, 5-7 and seven last year? Yeah, I... I... Don't want to give USC any respect. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Like it's a Notre Dame fan. Here's, out here's the thing: is Notre Dame people, and Huskies. Yeah, people get always upset. Like, man, you hate the Knicks. Like, no, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't hate the Knicks. I'm hard on the Knicks, but I don't hate the Knicks. But you hate the Trojans. I hate USC. So fuck them. <laughs> fuck them kids. Um, man, I don't care. They, Which I hope they under succeed all expectations all the time. October twelfth. In South Bend? Oh, they're going to get rolled. <laughs> Absolutely rolled. JT Daniels is going to look like a chill child out there. Okay. Um, bum. Trash. All of them are trash. <laughs> I think that a team... I would. I, have, I do have a... Uh, I have two Pac-12 teams, actually. Okay. I do think that the Pac-12 is very open outside of Washington. I do have a second um, Pac-12 team and also. If, if Washington isn't that good, like if Washington has a, a falling down, mm-hmm. um, I think that these two teams possibly could... Maybe win the Pac-12 because mm-hmm. I don't think the Pac-12 is great outside of them. Maybe Oregon, but outside of them, I don't really think it's huge. Uh, the two teams I was looking at it were Cal football and okay. Arizona. I think Arizona could be a tricky one because if Khalil Tate is able to go back to his 2017 form, I think this defense is improving under Kevin Sublin. This could be a team that could take that next step. And maybe they surprise it because Kevin Summons had he pissed success me before. off so much last year. Who, Khalil or yeah, Kevin Summons? Yeah, Khalil. Oh yeah, pissed I mean, me because in the preview I was like, "This is the surprise team, spoiler team." Like he was great last year; he's going to be great this year. And then I watched him. I went, "Great, you put my foot in my mouth." Like I'm not, I'm not going to talk great about you again because you proved me wrong. So I kind of had a little vendetta against Khalil last year because I talked him up and he didn't play up to it. Yeah, I, I think that. I mean, he's so talented, mm-hmm. and if he's able to take a hold of that offense, if he's able to take in the actual offense and grow in it, mm-hmm. then maybe it will be something that they could turn around. I mean, his, his offense coordinator said he was learning to become a quarterback. So if he actually learned that, I think that maybe they'll be able to take that next step because mm-hmm. he is extremely talented. And that defense, it isn't great by any means, but Kevin Sumlin has improved it. So if, he, if they're able to take that next step and they're able to become maybe near a top 50 defense and Khalil Tate's able to take that step back to where he was in 2017, um, it's definitely a long shot, but we're talking about surprises. It would be surprising if he did that, but I think it is in the cards. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I would say Arizona has to be one. And then Cal, too. Cal's the opposite. Cal has a great defense. They have no quarterback. Um, and if Khalil Tate was on the Cal Golden Bears, I might even be more confident in that one. Mm-hmm. But I think that they had such a great year last year. They were losing close games, and that's a sign of a good team. And I think that that's going to continue over. I think I think Justin Wilcox has really built up a great team in Cal, and maybe not a great team, but at least a great culture. And I think that we can see that team grow even more this year, and that could be a team that could surprise me and, and be playing in, in the Pac-12 title game. So my other Pac-12 team is on the other side of basically what you got. Like you, It's not a team where it's like, oh, they were bad last year and they could be better this year. This is one that was good last year in Herm Edwards' first year as head coach. Oh, yeah. Easy. But they lost a couple pieces. Uh-huh. They lost their quarterback. They got a new one coming in in um, redshirt junior um, Dylan Sterling. Call. They lost my guy. Nikhil they Harry. also lost Nikhil Harry, my guy. who right now Kyle Williams, who I have the stats up here. So Nikhil Harry 
had over a thousand yards for them last season on 73 receptions and nine touchdowns. Kyle Williams, who's now their se- one of their senior, um, it's him and Tommy Hudson, um, Tommy Hudson's tight end receiver um, type of player. Kyle Williams. So Nikhil had a thousand yards. Kyle Williams had four hundred and what thirty two mm-hmm. on thirty two less receptions and had about eight less touchdowns. So for me, this is a team where it's like I'm putting you in the biggest surprise category because yeah, you kind of surprised me last year. I didn't expect Herm Edwards to just walk in and that team to be the second best team in their division on their side of the Pac-12. But now you lose your quarterback from last year. You lose your top target from last year. Can this team create the same kind of magic that it had last year, even with a tough Utah team in their division or in their side of the Pac-12? That's why for me it's like they could be a surprise, but they're a surprise because they've got the eight ball against them this year. Mm -hmm. I think – to wrap it up, I got two more teams, mm-hmm. and these are absolute long shots, even more long shots than the ones I've, I've said before. Okay, uh, one of them is Kansas. Mm-hmm. You, you added less miles. I don't think this team's gonna be great, but hell, if Kansas wins seven games, would that not be shocking? If Kansas made a bowl game, I'd be shocked. Exactly. So hey, less miles coming in. I, I don't know. If they I got mean, six wins, maybe, I'd be like, holy shit. Maybe. Maybe. Patron Pat would be dancing on the table if Kansas maybe it could work. Made I mean, they, game. they won I think two games last year, three games last year. I mean, they 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 won more than I expected last year, which mm-hmm. is a step up. You added a one true in, coach in in Les Miles, three and nine, one and yeah. eight in the Big Twelve. Three and nine is pretty decent, and and their whole question marks. The biggest question marks is their defense. Les Miles mm-hmm. knows defense. Uh, I I don't think it's going to be crazy. I don't think it would be that great, but I think they could possibly win six games. So. I'll rock out with the Kansas Jayhawks. They could be surprising. Uh, Their wins came against Central Michigan on the road. Texas. Rutgers and TCU. Oh, I thought they beat Texas. They 24-17 lost to Texas. It was TCU. was the 27-26 win Did they beat them in 2017? Home. Maybe. I thought they beat they I thought they beat Texas in football, which was like the hell's going on here. Um no, I got to find this now. I think it was 20, maybe it was 2016. Um. Yes. Yeah, it, it was, was an overtime game in 2016. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Rock, 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 Um And my other team, mm-hmm. my favorite team in college football. No dream. The greatest coach of all time, Lane Kiffin. Oh, okay. In the Florida Atlantic Owls. All right. I was on it last year. I said they were going to beat Oklahoma mm-hmm. at the start of the year. They didn't. They were horrible. Um, no, they went like six and six. Um, didn't you have to change your profile picture to Lincoln Riley because of that? No, for the whole season. <laughs> um, and then you were so happy when the season ended. Yeah. Um, it's now a picture of my beautiful face. Um, <laughs> and looking at this team's schedule, uh, they don't start off easy. Uh, they go play a team called Ohio State at Columbus, Ooh. and then they play UCF. Um, but then they play Ball State and Wagner and Charlotte and Middle Tennessee and Marshall, and they play Middle Tennessee at home and Old Dominion and Western Kentucky and Florida International and UTSA and Southern Miss. And what I'm saying is if they beat Ohio State and UCF, they're going to not a top four bowl because they're not gonna they're a mid-major. Mm-hmm. But if they do that, they're running the table, and they're going to the Peach Bowl. 
No, not the Peach Bowl, the uh, the Cotton Bowl, because that one's uh, not a, 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 a top For four. a second, it's I'm like, I can't find their division to pull up their page. CS, up CSA. Their page. Yeah, they, they were buried in there. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna be uh, national champions. Oh, Florida, Florida, Florida Atlantic University, Lake so, Kiffin in the Owls. So we're going to make another bet like last year. Is nope. Sean going to say, they're going to beat Ohio State Here, in Ohio here's State? Here's the thing. New quarterback, mm-hmm. new head coach. They've been upset before by so by put them on upset by, alert by a beautiful mm-hmm. man in Baker Mayfield and Lane Kiffin's beautiful, <laughs> boom, put them on upset alert is what Florida you're Atlantic. The last team Mark I'm going to say down. this is my cow like this is my college football playoff sleeper, um, and the reason why I'm throwing them out there is because the time is right. Urban Meyer is no longer. At Ohio State, you've got new head coach. I know he coached last year at a couple games for him, but new head coach, new quarterback, looking to prove himself, um, coming over from Georgia. This is the time to strike if you are the Michigan Wolverines. This team, they've got Shea Patterson coming back. Love him, hate him. He's coming back. They're going to have a wide receiver crew led by Tariq Black, who's only a junior, who's going to be in draft discussions. Will he come out? Probably. I don't think he stays for a senior year. This is a team that mid-Tennessee, they should win. Army, they should win. Going into Wisconsin, that's going to be tough, but I think they could still get that win. Then Rutgers win. Iowa, good thing they play them at home Mm -hmm. and not at Iowa, but that's a tough one. Then Illinois, like they can beat us, even though it's in Champagne. No, they will beat you. No, they, they could play they you on the moon, that, and they I'm would beat saying, you. They, they could beat, beat us. You, they could beat you with their legs tied together. Mm-hmm. They could beat Illinois. They will beat Illinois. Really, what I'm saying is, this could be another year that comes down to, hey, can you beat Ohio State? And because Urban Meyer's not there, I'm going to say this team can beat Ohio State, and if they do, they will be a college football playoff team. But why they're going to have one loss in their schedule? Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah. This is when, when I'm, just, last, I'm just when happy everyone makes a big thing. I'm of, just happy they're playing Notre Dame again. Every yeah, everyone makes this big hullabaloo of oh he was zero and seven versus Notre uh, mm-hmm. versus uh, Ohio State right right everything was like you know oh but they can lose to Notre we Dame and still make the playoff thirty seven to nothing last mm-hmm. time we saw them. I I don't think they can do that, and I, I think we've we've owned them a pretty decent amount. At least in the past three games, we've got two and one. Um, who's the team we've been beating? I think it's just USC. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I think we're going to stomp Michigan, and they're going to be a one-loss team, and they're not going to be able to win the uh, Big Ten title game because uh, Iowa is going to be doing that. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a big. It's going to be a, a power four of Clemson, Alabama, Iowa, and Notre Dame. That's your college football playoff. And the reason why I say they can do it is like you look at last year, um, twenty eighteen. Oklahoma, fourth seed, Mm -hmm. they had one loss. Um, They won their conference, but they had one loss. And then I'll only go back two years. 2017, we had every single team in the playoff had one loss. So, I mean, of course, last year was the outlier where we had three undefeated teams. Um, But one loss is not going to kill you. If they lose to Notre Dame, as long as they win their side of the Big Ten— yeah, and win the Big Ten, they'll at least have a shot. 
they could surprise us and be a playoff team. And if they did make the playoff, I think it would surprise many people because I still believe that people want to root against Jim if, Harbaugh. If everyone's saying that you guys are crazy for mm-hmm. these, no one thought Kentucky was going to be a top 15 team. <laughs> and also, we don't think all of these teams mm-hmm. could. We are taking We're as many out. shots as possible that maybe one could yes. possibly hit in a very long shot. You get one, and then you can ride it to the bank, Sean. Yep. Can just ride to the I'm going to go figure out what I said about Kentucky last year. But Which you should, too. At Most Valuable Podcast mm-hmm. YouTube channel. Let us know what you guys think also down below in that comment section. Who are your biggest surprises this year in college football? Make sure to check us out on Patreon. Patreon.com backslash Most Valuable Podcast. Make sure to also rate the podcast on Apple iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Um, and then follow us on Twitter at Schwarbo, at Ricky Widmer, at Most Valuable Pod. Thank you guys for checking out the podcast, giving us a bit of your day, a bit of your time. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.